Good morning. Let me give a second to get set up here. Thank you, Franklin. Thank you. So, most of you know who I am. You don't have Scott today, but you still have Scott. My name's Scott McMillan. For a few who may not know you, me, uh, I'm the one usually walking around wearing a kilt. Uh, so, uh, Scott has asked me to speak today. Uh, let me give you a little background. So most of you know where I come from. I'm a retired heavy construction truck driver from New York, New Jersey. Uh, found Christ at a business meeting at the age of 35 years old. Transformed my life. Fell in love with him in a way that you could only... I, I, I wish, if you're not... We're going to talk a little bit about today. If you aren't at the same place where I am uh, with your walk with Christ, I hope you find that same fire and zeal because it'll change, change your life. Uh, I've been, uh, I got impacted by those of you who are old enough, uh, promise keepers. If you're my generation, uh, there was a men's movement called Promise Keepers, and it transformed my life, transformed my life. Uh, me and my bride, uh, we're going through some challenges in our marriage, and uh, that ministry literally shaked me to the core, even changed where I was going to church. The church I was going to after I got saved, I came back from a promise keepers thing, and they said, oh, those people are prejudiced against women. I said, that's not what I learned. I said, they told me I need to love my wife as Christ loved the church, and, uh, and, I, and I started doing that. So uh, a, a little update of what's happening now. Many of you know that I was starting to hike the Appalachian Trail, so some of you are probably asking, what happened with that? Uh, I got going, had a great time, I got 100 miles in, but because of my dedication to Christ, uh, I was never at peace. I am a servant of his, uh, my children were building a house, I knew I would be able to be the hands and feet of doing a lot of that work, so uh, I called my wife with tears in my eyes, says, you need to come get me. Uh, so I've been, been, as a matter of fact, yesterday was a, we finally got the roof dried in. <laughs> it's all under roof now. There's still more work to do, but we got it dried in so we can some, bring some professional roofers in to work on it. So uh, if you have the Bible with today or you use your phone, whatever it is, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 from verse 9 to 20. Verse 9 to 20. Scott, over the past few weeks, has been talking to us about what it is to be all in. All in. Are you all in? So my question today for you is, so where are you in that? Where are you in the all in? As I talk today, I want this to be a reflection of a mirror for yourself. As I speak, don't be thinking about, oh, such and such needs to hear it, or you need to hear it. It's not about that. This is about where you are with your walk with Christ. Not what your spouse needs, not what your coworkers need. I wish my boss was here to hear it. Those are all wonderful things. This is all about where are you in the midst of it. Before I read the context, let me set things up. If you're not real familiar with the book of Romans. Romans is one of those great epistles that Paul wrote, they all are, but this is one of those ones that when you read it, even in the first chapter, you say, man, he must have wrote it yesterday. With all that we got going on in our world, the craziness of it all, it's like he wrote it yesterday. 
And as it continues on, those of you who have ever had the opportunity to lead somebody to Christ, you, you find the Romans road going through it of how we're saved by grace alone and faith alone. And it's not a by works. None of those wonderful things. We are saved by the shed blood of Jesus Christ and that alone. And then, of course, he goes on further into it where he talks about the justification of Israel. But when it comes to chapter 12, talks about a trans- transformation of your life. Transformation of life. You've spent any time around me. I, and, and I, I categorize our Christianity into two, where you're, where you're at. Our, my Sunday school teacher today, John, was talking about different chairs we could possibly sit in. But for me, it's, are you the John 3.16 Christian or John 3.3 Christian where you've accepted your, Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior? And that's a good move. But have you transformed over where I call it a Romans 12, 1 and 2 Christian or Galatians 2.20 Christian where you've sold out? Because I can assure you that if you've not got to that place in your life now, when that happens, your life will forever be transformed. Do I, now I will tell you right now, will it come with pain and agony? Oh, it will. Oh, it will. But in it, it will transform your life. So, as I turn my Bible there, let me get to that uh, text. So here we go. Depend upon, let me get a drink for you, wet my whistle as I go. You'll find as I go, I got to wet my whistle once in a while. If I talk too fast, you'll see me stop and holler at myself. I'm, I'm not a refined guy. I'm a blue-collar guy with a high school diploma who fell in love with Jesus Christ. You know, I, I wish I went to seminary, but I graduated high school with a solid D. I, I, I feel bad for the kids today. They got to take these tests, to, the, uh, the state-mandated tests to get out of high school. I don't know how I would have done with that. So, but anyway, here we go. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9. Let love be genuine. Arbor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Constant in prayer. Contrite to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay. uh, I lost my space. I told you I messed up. Repay no one for evil, for evil, but give thought. To, what, uh, to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as if our depends with you, live peaceable with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, uh, but do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we explore your word this morning, Father, I ask that uh, the words of my lips, Father, 
uh, may be used to penetrate people's, people's lives as we dig into your truths and your precepts, Father. May it transform people's lives, Father, in their homes, in their place of business, and as I say, our greatest mission field at the end of the driveway. Lord, uh, may these words uh, transform uh, our lives today. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So, get my phone over here. So the marks of a changed life. The places we should see those should be in our home. When I say in our home, in our marriage, if you're married, in our parenting style, if you're a parent, or if you're one of the youngest people, honoring your parents. If your parents are still old and you're older, honoring your parents. Sometimes we forget to honor them. In, in the, a little story I heard the other day. Imagine if, you st- if you're lucky enough and you're like I am in my 60s and you still have your parents around. Make time for them. Because I met somebody and they said, well, I, I get to see them a couple times a year. Well, if they're already 80 and you only see them a couple times a year and they live for five more years, you're only going to see them 10 more times or talk to them 10 more times. So don't miss out on that, honoring them and spending time with them because they'll be gone before you know it. Anyway, work. Is there a marked change in your work and how you interact with your boss, your coworkers, the quality of your work? Who is it you're actually working for? Excuse me. Who is it you're working for? When, you know, being from the Northeast, people go out of their way to go out to ben- Pennsylvania Dutch country to buy Amish furniture. And why is that? Because they know who they're working for. Their boss or whoever it is, they don't sign a paycheck. They're working for the king. And we should be doing the same thing in our, in our places of work. So as we go through our list, we'll take a look at that. Alone time. With God or when you're just by yourself. Sometimes when you're just by yourself, that's when character comes in. How are you when nobody else is around? We're going to look at some of the ways we do that interact. And then last one, in business. Uh, In public, I should say. Whether you're doing business with people, shopping, drive, maybe the way you drive. You know, do you, do you use hand gestures when you drive? Not the one that says, oh, go ahead before me, but the other ones? And then you got a bumper sticker or maybe one of those nice new life things on the back of your car? That's where hypocrisy comes in. <laughs> you know, when it's not what it's supposed to be. So we're going to look at some of these different areas today. So the first one is going to be is love is genuine. The love here, the word love here is agape love. We're going to look at, because Paul uses a, a lo- the word love uh, in these few verses a few different times. But agape love is one that is uh, centered on the needs and the welfare of others. Even without counting the cost to ourselves. I was speaking with somebody this week over the phone uh, that I spent a lot of time uh, mentoring, and we were, he asked me a question about love, and I said, well, it depends upon what kind of love, because the American language does not do love proper justice. There are four different words used in the Greek, and we're going to see two of them today 
in this definition of love. But our love should be patient, kind, not arrogant, rude. It does not insist on having its own way. Imagine that. You don't need to win. You know, this morning, uh, those of you old, I, I, though I, I may be bald and tall and old, I still rock out the DC talk. So we had, I had a blaring in the kitchen this morning, and, and one of my favorite songs is love, is, love is a verb. It's something you choose to do. When we watch TV and all these other things, well, I don't feel loved. It's a, love can be an emotion at times, but this love we're, that we're talking about, God, is, is, is a decision we do. It's a verb. It's an action word. And believe it or not, if you step out on that action, the emotions will follow, but you have to step out on, on it. And it's not resentful. So I would challenge you, where is your love? Not with those, just the people who love you, but the people who don't love you, the people who, that the world doesn't even love. How do you see them? Do you even see them? Especially the people the world don't see, the homeless, the, 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 the needy, things of that nature, or the people who are just not like you are not very likable. Do you still see them and love them? Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. You know, how do we do these things? How do we hate what is evil and cling to what is good? What is one of the keys to doing that? Well, Paul tells us, if we back up in that same chapter, in Romans chapter 12, if we look, I'm going to read you verse it says in verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That alone will teach you in time to, cling to, what, to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Because as we go in Christ sometimes, that changes. The, 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 the line has always been there, but as we grow in Christ, he convicts us of all of sin in our lives and and what we didn't always see as evil we now recognize as evil uh i won't lie when when i was when i was a young christian uh i was part of a men's group and i had some sin in my life and i didn't even know it but i would go to a small group every week and i i would not openly talk about it but i didn't didn't shy away from it because i didn't think it was anything evil and nobody in my group actually said anything they didn't love me enough, or maybe for some, maybe they didn't like the conflict, they didn't, to say anything, but eventually somebody came to me and said, you know, what you're doing is not right. And that, but he loved me. He didn't like what I was doing, so he, he, hated, he, he hated the sin in my life, but he still loved me. I was a sinner. So we need to learn to hate the evil that people do, but to love the people that God has created. They're, we are all created in God's image. And sometimes when we see people, we turn around and we look at them and say, oh, look what they do. I could never associate with those people. And if you come with that attitude, they will never come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we need to turn around and learn to love those people. And when loving those people, we will not necessarily love their evil. We will not like the evil or the sin in their life. But we'll see how that they need to be loved. And, we can, and then we can cling to what, is, to what is good along the way. Next one, showing honor. 
showing honor <coughs> to one another above yourself, giving honor to other people, even above yourself if they deserve it. Not looking to be out front, to be, you know, oh, look at me, look what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Everybody needs to know my name. Or, you know, <laughs> I had a coworker years ago. I'm not sure if he was a Christian or not. We were in the locker room changing in New York City. He talked, talked to me because he knew I'd found Christ in my life. And he said, well, I used to do these things at the church, and I stopped doing them because nobody ever thanked me. You know, so, now, he was obviously working for the wrong person because he should have been looking up to the king, who, who you'd be working for. But we should show people honor when they do things around it, whether it's in the church or in, in public, wherever it is. Show people honor that do honor. You know, say, sometimes they don't even deserve it. If you're ever in the military and you're enlisted like I was, uh, sometimes we'd have problems showing honor because we'd bump into an officer who we didn't necessarily like because he wasn't he was a good honor. And, and I had to learn when I was a young soldier that when we'd have to salute them, we needed to give them honor because of the position they were in. We did not have cared who they were, but because positionally where they were, they were due honor. And, uh, and, then, and believe it or not, I actually learned in, t in time that some of those people deserved the honor because of the authority they were given, and they carried a much greater burden than I did. And uh, the burden I had was actually small and very easy to, to take along with me. Excuse me. Being slothful and fervent. Slothful is one of those words where, not one of the ones I necessarily care for. I'm a, I'm a simple English kind of guy. Uh, but it just means slow. Like sloths, the animals. You know what? Uh, when, when it, it, it's, it's a perfect word for interpretation in the, in the Bible, but it's one of those ones that it's above my vocabulary level. But it basically means, you know, being slow. Don't, don't be slow in your service. Very often, we have an opportunity for ministry in our lives, and I'm not even talking about in the church. I'm talking about we have an opportunity in life where an opportunity presents to us suddenly where we can minister to somebody, and because of our slowness or slothfulness, we don't do it. Somebody else comes along, ministers that person, and we leave a, we leave a wonderful present that God has unwrapped, has left wrapped for us that we could have had if we'd taken the time to do that ministry, and he would have blessed us in, in, in an incredible way. But very often, we sit on our hands, and we'll say, well, that's not my calling, <laughs> or some other excuse, or I don't want to get involved, whatever happens to be. And we end up missing out because we've been slothful, and we have not been doing it. So, so it says we're lacking zeal to serve. Like I said, being lazy, noticing opportunities. Uh, and then continue. So do we see ways to help and act on them? Do you live your life with blinders on? Do you only see what's right in front of you? Or do you get the big picture? Do you know, depending upon what town you go into, do you notice when a tent sets up in the middle of nowhere suddenly? because somebody has nowhere to live? 
Do you know where it is that the downtrodden hang out? I'm not saying everybody's called to minister to them. Or do you even recognize the challenges maybe a coworker's going through? And even have taken the time to talk to them, to listen to them. Maybe that's the better word, not to talk to them, to listen to them. And sometimes it's not always giving answers. But, and, but it says, uh, but you want to keep our spiritual fire burning hot. That's when you turn around and you learn to take the blinders off. You learn to serve. You're always looking for opportunities to serve because you realize God in His sovereign, God in His sovereignty, not, wow, what's the chances of? No, God in His sovereignty has put this opportunity, this person, this circumstance in your presence. And uh, people get mad at me Mostly in my family, very often, because I'm one of those people, I don't miss out on opportunities. You know, uh, if I see somebody needs a lot, when I was hiking the Appalachian Trail, I found this guy, he was going through some huge burdens emotionally. And, uh, and he didn't know, well, I, I need to go off the trail, and I was happened to be going home. He says, I don't have to get to Atlanta. Says, I'm not going to Atlanta. So you're going to come to my house, spend your night at my house, and then I'll get you. I said, you can pick a, one of these three airports, and I'll get you home. And before he left, he left with a Bible in his hand and I shared the gospel. I didn't know him hours earlier, but I had a lot of people. I can't believe you did that. Well, guess what? That's what I do because I'm not my own. I was bought with a price and I realize that I have an incredible gift and so do you. Every single one of you have an incredible gift Yours may not be the same as mine, but we all have a credible gift to show the love of God. You know, what's the, the old hymn? They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. And a lot of times it comes out of a zeal of, 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 of service and not hesitating to do something. Like, oh well, I need to go home and pray about it. There are some things you don't need to pray about. If it's written in God's, if it's written as God's word, there ain't nothing to be praying about, you know. Especially, you know, uh, Scott mentioned a little bit, and I have a, a real zeal for is is uh, what's the religion that God loves? Right, out of the Book of James, watching over the widows and the orphans, and I've been a big advocate of that. I love serving them, and sometimes it hurts to do it, but you know, I have. I had foster children, and you know they call me mom and dad now. But if I hadn't said yes to this one opportunity, I have, and I love all my grandchildren. But when I go back up to New Jersey, my one grandson, and they all do this, but he, you know, I wouldn't have that. He comes running at me. His name's Liam. He comes running at me, Grandpa, 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 and I never would have had that if, when I got a phone call one day of a Christian who had some challenges and couldn't take care of his children anymore, he says, Scott, can you take my children? I didn't think about, well, I don't know. I'm going to have to see. I don't have enough room on my house. What, what about I just said yes. Because God in his sovereignty, he would figure all the rest of that out. He would figure out how to feed them, how I would take care of them. There was pain along the way, but I wouldn't trade any of it for a second. For when that's that little boy comes running at me full speed because I said yes to serve in zealfully. 
So, don't be slow in your service. Don't be slow in your service. Make it happen. Once again, here we go. Serve the Lord. <clears throat> Serve the Lord uh, here uh, in the service here is talking about being a, being, becoming a slave when it says doulos. Does anyone know what a doulos slave is? All right, good. I, I have a one person. <laughs> I should know you should know being a missionary child. <laughs> but a doulos slave is somebody who chose, chose back in the day to literally surrender their life to their owner. They would come to their owner with an awl or some sharp object, and they would have their master pierce their ear. Pierce their ear to show ownership to them. Pierce their ear. Because they were fervent, they were full of zeal to have the opportunity to forward their master's thing. Uh, uh, it, this is one of those ones, when you study out in the Greek, it doesn't do it justice because of our history in America. We, 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 we hear the word slave, and because of our, our, the, the, the challenges America's had, we don't put it in proper perspective. But this is not that. This is a kind of slave like, Lord, let me serve you. Let me serve you. They're just to help. Just to help 100%. And, and that's, that's what we're supposed to be, right? What, we, we were given the name Christians by a Roman emperor who wasn't a Christian. Because why? Because we acted Christian-like, Christ-like. Christian means Christ-like, to be Christ-like. And that's what we should do. We, we sh people should know that we are Christians because of, we, we should be different than us. We should be a pe 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 peculiar bunch. You know what I mean? And it's because we serve with zeal, with fire in our bones, wanting to do it, wanting nothing less. Uh, let's see. Where are we on to? Rejoicing in hope. Our hope is in the finished work, of course, of Jesus Christ. His finished work on the cross, knowing that no matter what comes our way, that is our hope. When challenges come, that is our hope. And that is, that, it's that, and, and that alone. Uh, and, and not, the hope should never leave. Because sometimes we'll get going into something and there can be some challenges along the way and, and we can give up sometimes. And, we, and, and, and if you're doing the work of the Lord, I would challenge you, don't give up. As I alluded earlier about being a foster parent, there was times, man, the, it would, the things that would happen would rip, like, rip your heart out if I didn't have Jesus Christ in the midst of it. If you, if, you know... If you're ever thinking of doing something like being a foster parent, something like that, and you want, and they're not Christian movies, but th but they give you the taste of it and the rewards of it. Is uh, has anyone seen? The, it's a bit of a comedy called Instant Family. You, you, Instant Family is. I went through a lot of that. Or or there's another one. My son just it was the ride, Jonathan. There's one on called the ride about a kid who was just just in the pits of everything in, in, in living in de not in foster home, living in detention center in a detention center and how his life was changed but how his parents his foster parents and becoming ultimately his parents uh, everything got changed but those parents in both situations had hope 
They had hope for their children. Not from a Christian perspective, but they believed in their children. And we should have hope, and especially having hope for others. What kind of hope should we have for others? Uh, we should have hope for their salvation, uh, that uh, things would change. We should have hope in our home. Maybe uh, in a crowd this big, there's got to be a couple here right now going through some tough times, going through some tough times. And I would challenge you, no matter how bad it is, you turn around and turn towards Jesus Christ and don't give up. Uh, I don't say this all the time, but part of my testimony is uh, me and my wife came very, very close to divorce after we got saved. And God got a hold of my heart through promise keepers. And I came home and told my wife that <laughs> she wanted a divorce. She was going to have to file for it because otherwise I was going to love her to death. You know what I mean? And uh, so, so have hope. God can fix things. Even when it doesn't look like it, have hope. In our home, with our bosses, and especially in our country, with the, the, the leadership, how uh, it's, it's just literally, it has, historically speaking, it's always been a bit of a roller coaster. But as we're living our lives now, it always seems worse to us. But it's, it's a bit of a roller coaster going up and down with the way things are. And to realize that God has put, <laughs> as much as we don't like it, he's put every one of those politicians where they're supposed to be. We don't like to hear that. But if God is sovereign in all things, even the people that got elected that you don't like, he's put them there. He's put them there. He uses them. Maybe he's teaching us something. I don't know. And the, and, and the crazy thing is, I'm in, in God's world, I always want to be that child. I want to be that child that you see in the mall. When child's walking through the mall, they'll hold on to daddy's or mommy's hand. They're fine. They're fine. But all of a sudden, they see something pretty that catches their eye. They pass a toy store, to a toy store, maybe build a bear, something, something's, or a pet squad, and they zero off. Mom or dad has it noticed, and all of a sudden, mom or dad, and now they're screaming and hollering. Where are they? And I just want to be holding on to daddy's hand, God's hand, just moving down the road, not having to work, because in that we have hope, and we can keep moving forward. Patient and tribulation. And we have patience and tribulation because of the hope we have. They, they literally, these two tie together. We can be uh, steadfast, uh, having endurance. And uh, there can be a lot to be learned during times of tribulation. Uh, everybody who knows me well knows I have a, a phrase. The greatest, the greatest time you'll ever learn things in your life, really grasp and hold on to them, is during times of pain. Because I always teach great pain creates great change. You know, you can't tell me about all the tests you ever took in eighth grade. But if you got in trouble with your parents or with the laws of eighth grade, you remember that lesson. Whatever it might be, we remember those lessons during times of pain. So tribulation very often, as much as we don't like going through it, it is a great time. Sometimes I almost think we need more of that in the American church. Because uh, in the American church, we kind of sit... Nice and pretty these days, uh, where you go to other places. You go to China. If you want to go to a church like this, there are churches that meet in hotels in China like this. But you know what it takes to get through the back door? A foreign passport. If you have a Chinese passport, you can't come in. 
you have an American passport, you can come in. You have a passport from any other country, you can get, in, get into a church service just like this. But the underground church grows. It grows like crazy. And the only, the, the, it's funny, the only place in the Chinese church where it's free to preach the gospel, where nobody will arrest anybody, is during funeral services. Funeral services, the religious police, police have respect for the dead. And the gospel is free to preach. But otherwise, the church is underground. And it grows like crazy because they have trials and tribulations. In America, we get upset for the things that are not worth getting upset about sometimes in our Christianity. And, and, and that being said, remember the words of Christ. Because very often he talked about, count it pure joy when people persecute you because of me. We get all upset. like, And they're not mad at you. They're persecuting because what you stand for, you, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And the light, the darkness does not like light. So when you shine your light, you're going to have tribulations. Just how it goes. Count it pure joy. Count it pure joy. Listen, if, if, if you've ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs or something like that, you know, some of the greatest people, some of the greatest Christians went through incredible difficult times you know and, and some of them ran into the tribulation you, you've ever if you've never either heard like a radio documentary or or read his book uh, by Dietrich Bonhoeffer he was safe in America during World War II he could have stayed there teaching seminary no problem no he chose to go back chose to go back because he stood for him on the the church and he was didn't care about the tribulations and, and there's a lot of stories like that. You know, who's the other one that stands out in my mind during that time? Corey Tamboon. If you're familiar with the story of Corey Tamboon, you know, another, they, the, her family was living out a lot of these things. And because they were living out of these things, they got taken away. Her mother, father, her sister Betsy all killed. But Corey went on with the ministry that many of you know her name. And, and, and maybe even have been impacted by her, her life from her stories, though she's long, go, long gone to be home with the Lord. So I need to keep moving. We're running out of time here. Prayer. How's your prayer life? I'm, I, I'm, I'm a big, big advocate of when you've got a lot of sin, a lot of bad things going on in your life caused by you, this is out of whack. Your prayer life is out of whack. You need to have a good prayer life. Prayer keeps us close to God. We gain wisdom from praying. He gives us insight. You know, gives us guidance, strength. And then more often than not, in prayer, sometimes God changes the situations you've been praying about, but more often than not, He changes you. We're turning around, we're busy saying, man, Lord, you need to fix this thing. Da, da, da. And what he ends up doing is he gives you a different point of view of that exact same circumstance. And now suddenly you have empathy or sympathy, whatever it happens to be. Or maybe you need to get, suddenly get convicted and get involved. He doesn't always change the situation, but it'll change you. But it can't happen without prayer. You should be praying for your family. You are allowed to pray for yourself. Pray for your co-workers. Pray for the lost. Pray for the people in government, people you don't even like. You still pray for them. 
You pray. Prayer changes everything. Prayer changes everything. It's the most powerful tool we have. The most powerful tool we have, but probably one of the ones that's most neglected, is we, we miss out on the opportunity to go to before the throne of grace. The throne of grace. We have direct access to God. Hospitality. Sharing with God's people in, 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 in people who are in need. Pursuing uh, friendliness with strangers and helping others. It's important. Hospitality is not necessarily always, well, I'm doing Thanksgiving at my house. You're coming? That's not the hospitality they're talking about. They're talking about the hospitality when somebody is down and out. Maybe, maybe you're not called to bring somebody that you know that's going through some troubled times, maybe even on the street, to, to bring them into your home to meal, but at least bring them a meal to show them hospitality, especially the lost. Even in the church, you know somebody who's, who's ill, you know, you take care of them. The church I came from in New Jersey, we had a short period of time we were without a pastor. And so uh, uh, the men of the church, well, the pe- people of the church picked a, a search committee, and then within the church committee, they chose me to be in charge of it. So I'm kind of overseeing the church a little bit. And there were some sick people in the church. But before we could put word out, the church had already fulfilled the need. And I compliment them because they had recognized that people were sick in our church and they were delivering meals to one another with no, there wasn't like a, a lot of churches have that hospitality committee or like, you know, the, the closing committee. There was none of those things. But they listened to the opportunity to, as we talked about earlier, serve fervently. And they were serving one another, showing hospitality. Hebrews tells us, right? And showing hospitality, sometimes who are we entertaining? Angels. We don't even know it. You don't believe me? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Take a look at it. Very often, we will be confronted with an opportunity, not necessarily in the church, very often outside the church. I don't know whether it's a test or not. I will let that scripture stand where it sits in your heart. But it says very often, we are entertaining angels, and we don't even really recognize it. Yep. So, that's a, another, another one. Here we go. Scott talked about this a little bit last week. Bless those who persecute you. Do not curse them. And here's the people. Stephen, right? The stoning of Stephen. Right? He, he, as they're stoning him, Paul's watching, right? Holding Saul. He's holding their coats. And he says to forgive them. Our Lord and Savior, right? He said, forgive them, for they know not. They, once again, persecuted. And then, Scott was in yes, last week, the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, this, is, this, this section of, 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 of Paul, is like, it's like re-edifying the whole Sermon on the Mount of blessing those who persecute you. They can't stay mad at you. You know, you, you want, you know, you would get, you, I learned when I debate people or get in head with people, I get real quiet. As big as a mouth as I have, I get quiet and I slow everything down. And they don't know what to do with me. Years ago, when we were going through a lot of uh, financial difficulties, I had an old van 
in New, New Jersey, you still need to get your car inspected for safety. So my car had not passed for a safety inspection because the, the horn wasn't working properly. No, I, I had a horn. It wasn't the kind of horn they liked. But we got pulled over. And this police officer just keeps getting madder and madder because he, I will choose not to be in part of all that. And I keep getting quieter and quieter and, and softer and softer. And he's trying to say, well, you don't understand. I said, I do understand, officer. I, I have to get a fix. You're right. So I can have this car impound. I do recognize that, but I wouldn't go down the road with him. I wouldn't go around and let things get escalated. And we have that ability too. We have that ability too, being the church, to be compassionate for people, to bless those who persecute you. Sometimes it's even just, just being super, super nice to them. You know, it's just, they don't know what to do. You maybe go to even a place of business. We were talking earlier about places of business where there's that one person who works here, and they're the cashier, but you figure out, I don't know why they're the cashier, because they never smile, they're always miserable, da 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 But guess what? If it's a place you go all the time, and you show up with a smile all the time, and you call them by name, compliment them, within a few, four, three or four trips, they still will be miserable until they see your face. And you won't even have to say anything. You will be, have the ability to shine the light into their lives and, and bless them. Rejoice and weep. Re rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Learn to have empathy with, for others. To be part of it. Uh, teach your children that. Probably one of the, one of the toughest things uh, I found as a parent, and someone can correct me, was teaching my children to have empathy. To have empathy for one another. Especially if they're gifted children. Gifted children are maybe even you. If you're gifted, if you're one of those people where things come easy, it's, it's tougher to have empathy. But learn to have empathy. You rejoice when they're having a great time? Great. When they're weeping, weep with them. Don't be missing from them. Very often when people, even in the church happens, when someone's going through tragedy, there's like a sucking sound. That's what they say. That's when you find out who your friends are. When everything's going wrong. Sometimes you don't need to do anything. You just need to be there for them. You just need to be there. Maybe you show, you know, especially depending upon your relationship with them, if you know them well enough, sometimes you just need to show up and be there. If they're going through a mourning process, maybe you just need to show up and do the dishes. But you mourn with them also. You mourn with them also. Living in harmony. Let me read you this, this, this part where it talks about, let me make sure, yeah. Living in harmony. Uh, no, this is not the one. I mean, I will be getting to it. Living in harmony is, is, is really cool, a, a, a good thing to do. Living in harmony kind of fitting in. You don't need to be like them because we are Christians, but you don't need to like meanly stir the pot. You should be that light that shines in the midst of whatever's happening, living in all the midst of it. Let me turn to Philippians chapter 2 as I have here. There we go. I don't know about you, like anytime I go to the four epistles, as long as I've been a Christian, I still think, go eat popcorn. Anyone ever learn that one? Do you remember the different Paul's epistles? Right? Yeah. Galatians, Ephesians, yeah, go eat popcorn. That's how I learned it. Anyway, so 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 2 through 5. Talk about harmony. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full accord, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, here we go, in humility, count others more significant than yourself. When was the last time you made sure that other people in your life were more significant than you? Whether it's, and we talked about in the beginning, whether it's in your home, at work, even out in public, you know, whatever it happens to be. Let each of you not look only to his own interests, but the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Basically having the mind of Christ. Having the mind of Christ, living in harmony with one another. The first Peter 1, because we're running quick on time, I'll let you take a look at it if you wish. <clears throat> and then uh, we'll, we'll keep moving on. Associate with the lowly, engaging all people, it says, not by engaging all people. Not because of where they look, not because of where they work, not because of their finances, whatever it is. They are God's children. They need to know the love of God. If they don't know, if you, listen, you've heard, you've probably heard, you may be the only Bible they ever read. And, and if, if you turn around and you see somebody says, oh, look, at, I'm not talking to them. You know, whatever it is, whether, they, whether you know they're rich people who are just scoundrels or whether they're poor people who haven't had a bath in weeks or anywhere in between. They, you need to engage all people. And a lot of times we don't like that. We, 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 like, we like talking to people who are part of our company, that look like us, to talk like us. You know, we got the, the religion going on of, of Christianity, but we, Christ is so far from us. We got all the, the, the terms down, but, you know, the love of God has, has checked out of our house because we won't talk to somebody because of their position, whatever that position is. And sometimes it's not, sometimes we say in church, we always think it's low positions. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's the rich. You know, we were downtown yesterday, me and Marcus, and, and, we, and we saw some young adults walking by, and they were dressed to the nines. Like, oh, it's, okay, it was Saturday night, we're out, to the, and we're just saying, but are they happy inside? They look like they got it all together, but do they? And sometimes, sometimes they, we need to let them know. We need, we need to be able to associate with them. So, live at peace with all people if possible. This is the verse I want to read to you. This is one very often some people, because they read it and they don't get it right. Let me get back to Romans chapter 12 here. Starting in verse 18. So if possible, as far as it depends with you, live peaceable with all. Now some people see this verse and say, well, it says if possible. Well, I've tried to be a good neighbor, and that neighbor, you know, they're trimming their shrubs the wrong way or whatever it is, or somebody else, something else. So since it hasn't worked out, I got the right to be mad. I can take it out on them. And, and be, that's not what this verse is talking about. This is verse is saying, you do everything in your power 
to be kind to them, whether they respond in deed or not. Because there are people who interpret this wrong. They just say, well, it, I tried, but it wasn't possible. So I get a pass. That's not what the verse is talking about. You need to be above all that. Above all that. Living at peace whenever possible with all people. This should shine in all Christians' hearts. We should shine. We should shine. So, I've given you a boatload of stuff today. But you can do all these things and Christ may not still be in your heart. There are people who will never grace the door of a church or haven't graced the door of a church yet who already have all these attributes. So what is our motive in them? Our motive in these attributes, we should be doing these things, not because the Bible says we should do these things. Yes, we should do them, but we should do them out of the motivation that we have for our love for Jesus Christ. To recognize that we are going to heaven because of the finished work. You know, Christianity costs nothing to join. But its annual dues are eternal. And they cost you your life. And when you understand that, and you understand what's been done for you, these things happen automatically in time. You need to be guided in them. I recognize that. Depend upon where you are in your walk with Christ. Maybe you're someone here today who's never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Let me tell you, I've gone over a lot of things today of what Christians should be doing. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me tell you right now, these things will not get you to heaven. What gets you to heaven is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That God loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son, it tells us. And when His Son walked this earth and lived a sinless life, and then He went to the cross for us. And when He died, He took all our sins past and present, and he nailed them to the cross if you choose to accept his free gift of salvation. And it is by faith alone in Christ alone that you get to heaven, not of work, so no man may boast. Because if we could get there by doing the things that I've showed you today, someone would get it down perfectly, and then we turn around and get all full of pride and all puffed up. And that's not what he would have us to do. It is a free gift of salvation. So if you don't know him in a little bit, I'm going to pray and I would ask that you follow along with me. So maybe you are a, a Christian already. But you're still not, you're still not working on these things in your, in your marriage, in your home. Maybe you're here today and the marriage is a shamble. <laughs> you don't even tell people at work you go to church because <laughs> you know they give you the title hypocrite. You make sure you never put bumper stickers on the back of your car, not that you have to, because you like to drive the way you want to drive, or whatever happens to be. You can put it whatever it is. And there, if you're there, maybe you need to get things right with God. You're already part of this family, but you've drifted away. Or as I say, Romans 12, 1 and 2 Christian, says, therefore, brethren, in view of God's mercy, off is your body is a living sacrifice. I think Scott brought up last week, and you've heard him speak, a 
Galatians 2.20, For I am crucified with Christ, and not I live, but he who lives within me. That's the transformation that should happen in a Christian's life from first accepting Christ to growing fully in him. So I'm going to lead us in a moment of prayer. And maybe you need to get things right. I'm not against altar calls. If you've noticed, uh, I haven't asked the band back up. That's by design. But uh, and I'm not saying you need to come forward. Maybe you just need to do business in your seat. But my hope for you is you don't leave this place today without getting things right. Scott has been challenging us for weeks about being all in. And my question to you is, so where are you? Are you all in? Where are you? Are you all in? Are you, have you, are you choosing today either to accept Christ as your personal Savior or to really, really give it all to Him? Because when you do, when you do, it's so rewarding. And, I, and I'm not going to tell you, I don't believe in hyper-prosperity or everything's going to be beautiful. No. Along the way, you will have challenges. But God will change your life and He'll change your heart. So let me pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you and praise you, Father, for this incredible gift that you've given us, this gift of salvation that we have in Jesus Christ and Him alone, Father. And Lord, we ask that if there's anybody here today, Father, that this may be their day of salvation and that they may pray that, Lord, I surrender my life to you and I accept the gift of your shed blood, Father, as my repentance that I may spend eternity with you, Father. And then, Lord, if there's some here today, Father, who have just been really battling in their Christian walk, I may pray that this might be a day of renewal for them, Father, that they may rediscover the crucified life that we have that is only found in your Son, and that they may walk in your precepts, Father. I pray that you might heal their marriages, Father, heal their relationships with people, either extended family or maybe with their bosses, whatever it might be, Father, but that you might move in their lives, that there may be a transformation in all that they do. Lord, we just love you very much, and we ask all this in Christ's most precious name. Amen.